0: Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. So before we conclude the series called Prone to Wander, before we do that, I want to know, because I want to know, is anyone excited for Christmas? Because Christmas is coming fast, y'all. I was looking at the calendar. It's mid-November. Somebody just got a little scared. Somebody just got a little sweating. It is. Where It's coming. It's coming. But I want to know, because there's different groups of people here. Who here is already decorated? Don't you lie to me. We got a few people owning it. They're decorated. <laughs> this group is festive. All three of them, the squad is... is Jingle all the way. They're fired up. They're fired up. Now, where are my people who you're like, okay, we had Thanksgiving. Now we can decorate. Where are y'all at? You've made the shift. Okay. This is the normal group. Okay. No offense to the crazies. I mean, sorry to this group. That's normal group. Where's my like early mid-December? You're like, oh, junk. It's December. We got to do this now. Where are you at? Okay. Where are my December 23rd people? Yeah, we got a few. There's always one. Look, look for them. Maybe you're here. There's always one guy, December 23rd, with the tree on his car. Always, and I'm always thinking, what is the story? Who, who started crying that we didn't have a tree, Daddy? Or so, something happened to make him just go out and get it. There's always something. There's always something. I want you to get Christmas on your radar. It's coming. It's coming, and we're very excited to celebrate together. Very excited next week to announce all our Christmas plans, and um, we're, we're very expectant about what God's going to do, about what he's going to do this Christmas year. So before we jump in, we're talking about, this series is about wandering. It's about drifting. How we go from one thing to the, to the other. To fulfill us, to give us meaning, to give us purpose, to really give us a zest for life. Um, we've been telling stories, we've been doing all that, but today we're talking about something that's a little uncomfortable. We're talking about something called sin. And, Y'all are like, oh gosh, I got up early. I skipped brunch for this, right? I, I can't believe it. I'm going to come here and this dude's going to give me a list of ways I've messed up or failed or fallen short. That's not it at all. Sin is difficult to talk about because sin, if I were to ask you what is sin, most of y'all might say either you don't know or you might say it's doing bad things. Well, that's partially true, but it's a little more involved than that. Um, in scripture, sin always is personified. It's very interesting. It almost has a personality and that's what we're going to talk about today. Sin, I might define it like this. It's not really doing bad things. It's making good things into ultimate things. Making things that God gives us, twisting, twisting them, corrupting them, and making them ultimate things. And as a result, we wander. We drift. We stray from here to there. It happens a lot. Now, you may not be super convinced. You, you know, If I went up to you on the street, or if anyone did this, and you went up to a stranger and you said, hey, I'm doing a poll. Do you believe in sin? Do you believe that like humankind is like fallen, they've, they've turned from God, they've rebelled, and we're in need of a savior. Most people, I would say, might say no. I'd say, sin, that sounds like low self-esteem. That sounds depressing. I don't want to really be involved with that. I don't really, I'm going to say pass. I don't really like that idea. But if you were to follow it up with this, if you were to follow it up to say, is something wrong with the human condition? Is there something wrong deep down in each and every one of us? And we can't quite put our finger on it, but doesn't feel right. We maybe feel broken, or something's off, or something just, you know, quite feel fulfilled? I would say a lot of people would say, actually, yes, that is my situation. Y'all, that's sin. That's sin. It's being separated from God. It's being separated from him. And I think each and every one of us know, deep down somewhere, something's off. Something's not quite right there. Something's missing. I think we feel that. I think we absolutely feel that. Now, if you're doubting me, go to Barnes & Noble and look at the self-help section. It's huge, okay? Probably billions of dollars are spent, you know, trying to fix ourselves, heal ourselves. And I'm not mad at you. I'm there too. Anyone like Barnes and Noble? I'm a big fan. I don't know how it's still open though. I'll tell you what, because I go and I look at the price and then I check Amazon on my phone. Don't tell anybody. I do. And I usually two day it on Amazon. Don't tell anybody that, but that's what I do. The point, it's a huge section. Self-help, improvement. Here's what I'm trying to say. Our culture doesn't believe in sin. We don't believe we're falling. We don't believe in that, but we know something's off. We know something's wrong. There's someone's backstage. I don't know if it's a ghost. I hear footsteps. Are we okay? Are we? Everyone feel good? (laughs) We okay back there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's good. It's it's good times. Oh, it's good. I have no idea what's going on back there. It's amazing. It's amazing. So nobody wants to talk about sin. We really don't. We really don't. What we're going to do now? actually is look at a story in the Bible. There's a book called Numbers. It's called Numbers. Some of y'all are like, that's a book in the Bible? It actually is. It doesn't sound like all that much. You probably have not really looked at it, but the story we're going to read is a story of God's people, and it gives us kind of a look at sin up close, personified. It's going to be Numbers 11. You can follow along with me right behind me. Or you can check out an app we use called UVersion. It's free. All the notes are there if you click Ascent Church. Or if you have a Bible, you can check it out there. But here's what's going on. God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt. And God, through some mighty acts, he freed them, and he was taking them across the wilderness up into the promised land, this great place It was going to be their new home. It was a good time. But along the way, there were some struggles. Along the way, there were some hesitations. Along the way, there were some heartache and heartbreak. Let's see what happened. And remember, this is kind of a look at what sin is. Numbers 11, 4. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. They're whining, they're whining. God just freed them as slaves. He just did all these miracles. He just saved them and they had food. It's not that they were starving. They had food, but they wanted something else. They were whining. They sound a little whiny. Maybe some of them were millennials that's a weird joke because I'm a millennial. So I don't know if I'm making fun of you or myself. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know where that was supposed to land. But the point is people, (laughs) I love millennial jokes because they're like, hmm. (laughs) I wish I could see some of your faces. Oh, you know, it's true. Get over it. All right. Where was I? I'm off my notes. Yes, here we go. They're they're whining. They say, hey, I wish we had this. I wish I had this in my life. I wish I had some meat. And remember, what is sin? What is sin? Is it doing bad things? Yes and no. It's making good things ultimate things. It's so much more to it than that. This is a sermon about the nature of sin. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is the first thing to write down. Sin whispers that we are not content. Sin whispers that we are not content. Sin says, yeah, you just got freed. God's done all this in your life, whatever. Big deal. Maybe you just got married. Maybe you just got engaged. Maybe you just had a child. Maybe God's doing all this stuff. Sin says, well, your car's kind of old. Well, you're having a bad hair day. Yeah, you just got freed. Yeah, you have a bright future for the first time. Yeah, all this good stuff happened, but do you have meat? Mm Mm-mm that's what sin does. This is why we have affairs. Because sin says, yeah, look at your marriage. Yeah, you're happy, but that guy looks more happy. His life is more adventurous. He doesn't just do the nine to five. He goes traveling. He goes on adventures. I wish you, hey, you should be more like that guy. You should be more like that mom. That's what sin does. It whispers that we are not content. Tim Keller, our old friend says this. He says, sin is this. It's an agent that promises freedom or control freedom, or control. If you want to get freedom in your life, or you want to control your situation, and that's either to find purpose or numb the pain, we often don't go to God. We say, what's something I could grab hold of to make me feel alive? Make me feel that giddy up. Make me feel like I'm really living. That is sin. But the problem with grabbing these things is is it pales. It's called the law of diminishing returns. Over time, it fades away. If you're dating someone, the first time you held their hands, you were like, oh. and then you hold their hand again, and it's still nice, but it's not as nice. And now you've been dating a while, or you're married or whatever, you hold hands, and you, you don't even notice it. But if you think back to the first time, it was a life-changing thing. It was a life-changing moment. Does anyone here work out? Does anyone know what pre-workout is? Pre, this is, i probably not, but does anyone have any pre-workout here with them? Do you have some? Maddie, come on up here. This is my assistant, Maddie. She happens to have some pre-workout. Thank you, Maddie. Give it up for Maddie, everybody. Maddie has some C4. Icy blue Raz. Any C4 users? Look at this. Look at this stuff. What is going on here? So pre-workout, if you don't know, it's... um. I'm going to do it. So what pre-workout is, is you... Take it, but I'm not going to too scoop it. Chill out, okay? What pre-workout is, is you take it before a workout, obviously. And the first time you take it, you get a good feeling. You get tingly, right? And you get your heart starts pounding, and you just worked a nine to five. You you weren't feeling great, but you go in, and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to work out, all right? And you get this crazy look in your eye, like you can't make eye contact with anyone, and they would just melt. And and you you have a crazy workout. So I'm just going to, is this how you do this? Is this how this works, like this? I feel good. This is going to be a good sermon. Mm. Y'all didn't think I was really going to take any. I had to prove it to you. But the first time you take it, you said, that was a good workout. The next day you go back, it's leg day, you got to fuel up. You take it again, not the same feeling. Next day, you take it, it, it kind of, it's a law of diminishing returns. And then you're like, well, I got to take some more. I got what we call in the gym world, call we two scoop it. Okay, hashtag two scoop Tuesday. Okay, you just got to do it, baby. But the point is this it takes more and more of the stuff to get the same feeling, the same result. That's how sin works. It gives you a little fire. Ooh, that was exciting, a little edge, but over time, it pales in comparison. Sin messes with your willpower, your rationality. You try to deal with your distress with the very same thing that caused the distress. And then you're in trouble. Meaning this, maybe it's drinking. You've been drinking a lot, messed up things at work. Your wife's mad at you. You're frustrated. You ain't seeing the kids enough. You're mad. So what do you do? You're stressed out. You got to go get a drink with the boys, of course. And there's a point you're like, this is what got me here in the first place. Ladies in the house, all the single ladies. Sometimes this is what happens. Don't you lie to me. This is what happens. You meet a boy. You go a little too fast. You met him. He seemed nice. I thought he was the one. It turns out he wasn't the one. And you're hurt. There's a void. There's a loneliness. What do you do? you go meet another boy. That will feel better. There's got to be a point. You say, wait a second. That's what got me here in the first place. That's what got me here in the first place. I'm trying to to scratch that itch. I'm trying to fill that void. But that's why I'm here in the first place. Come on. (laughs) Amen, amen. It's true. It's true. Because look, because we think, we think that disobeying God puts us in the power seat. We think it puts us in control, but actually it takes us out of it. We say this, we say, if only I get that relationship, things will finally be good. If only I get in shape, things will be good. If only I get that raise. If only I get to retirement, things are going to finally work out. If only we have children, things will work out. But you get there and you feel more empty than ever. It is a life of wandering, a life of just reaching, reaching, trying to fill a void that nothing can fill. Nothing can fill. That's why we take good things. We make them ultimate things. That is sin. That of sin, you see, you see. Here, this is my favorite verse. Let's go to verse five. Follow along with me. This is the Israelites talking. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost—free fish. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. You see, God was feeding them. He gave them manna. It was like bread. They had that, but they said, "Oh, in Egypt we have better stuff. It was free. You idiots! You were slaves." Are you serious? Did you forget that? They honestly forgot. They said, we had free fish. Yeah, you got whipped. Yeah, you had no freedom. Yeah, you couldn't read or write. Yeah, you couldn't worship how you wanted. Yeah, someone dictated every minute and second of your life, but the fish was good. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. They said, ooh, we had Captain D's. You don't want to go to Captain D's. You go to Captain D's, you'll go right to the toilet. Welcome to Captain D's. There's the restroom. Okay, you don't want to go there. Now, if it's Captain George's, holler at your boy. We'll we'll talk about that. That's a different story. You see, here's what I'm trying to get through to you. Sin tells us our past is better than our future. Sin tells us that the best is behind us because sin, it does this. Sin repaints the past. Sin repaints the past. When sin creeps in, it says you start looking at the past a little differently. They had just been slaves. They had just been freed, but they were thinking about the fish. And I came to tell you, and it might sound corny. It might sound cheesy, but I do actually believe it. The best is actually still to come. Your future will be brighter than your past. God has a marvelous plan. Paul said this. He said, no eye has seen or nor mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even fathom what he's got planned for you. He has so much good. But sin creeps in and says the past was better. We had fish and they bought it. They're literally walking to the promised land to freedom, to milk, to honey. There was fish there too. I don't know what they're talking about, but they're like, we, it was free back there. It was free. Here's an example you might connect with. Maybe you know someone, or maybe this is you. you. You were dating someone, and he became abusive. Maybe physically, maybe verbally abusive, and so you left. You broke free from slavery. Awesome. But as you go, you start looking back. And remember, sin repaints the past. You're looking back, and you say, well, he wasn't that bad. He was sweet. I bet I could fix him. I liked his place. I liked his car. Yeah, there were some dark patches, but he was just stressed. Honey, get out of there. I'm telling you, sin repaints the past. You start to look back and you, you, it's almost like you just see the highlights. You don't see the, you don't see the darkness. You don't see the thing that caused you to run. The phrase to look for with addictions is this. It's if only. Jonathan Edwards say if, says if only. If you ever see yourself thinking, if only I had this. If only that person was still here by my side. If only I made this much money. If only I won the contest. If only I get the raise. Your if only has enslaved you because you have rewritten your life around if only. You have put all your focus and attention and hopes and dreams in grabbing the if only. And once you get the if only, it's never enough. You're emptier than before you started. Your if only is your slave master. It calls the shots. If you stay stuck on that thing, if you stay stuck on that, if only you will never make it to the promised land. If you stay stuck on your, if only, if you stay stuck on that thing, you will never move forward. You will never progress. But once you realize God does have a purpose, not all who wander are lost. Once you realize there's a purpose to all this, you can look in the devil's face and tell him God does have a plan. He does have a purpose. He is leading me somewhere. And my future is far brighter than my past. He's moving in your life. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Notice they had stopped. They were outside their tents. They were moving. They were progressing, but they stopped. They stopped to wail. Some of y'all have stopped to wail. God was bringing you somewhere. He was taking you somewhere, but you set up your tent right here in the wilderness, and you're like, I want some fish. God's like, dummy. No, no, no. There's all the fish you want, but I want it now. God has so much for you. God has so much for you, and I don't think God would call you dummy. (laughs) My point is this. He has so much for your life. But we set up our tent here, and we refused to cooperate. We refused to go forward. Verse 7, the manna that God gave them was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot. And made it into loaves. And it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manno, manna also came down. So this is to remind us, they weren't starving. They had food. God was providing them manna. It was kind of like bread. It was kind of this stuff. At night, it would just fall down. And they'd wake up in the morning, and they'd gather it and collect it. It was kind of like bread. Um, God's people are saying, we want to go keto. No more carbs. We want the meat. We want, we want none of y'all are keto. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. Look it up. You're saying, this is fine, but I want something else. I want a low-carb diet. Because number three, sin overlooks the little things. Sin overlooks the little things. They're not thanking him that they're free from slavery. They're not thankful that their family's intact. No, they're like, I want meat. Sin over causes us to look, overlook the simple things. Ironically, Jesus tells us to do the opposite. Jesus says, when we pray, we should say, um, give us this day our daily bread. Manna is literally our daily bread. It's something God provides every day. Jesus is saying, don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what God has blessed you with. In your prayers, when you wake up in the morning, you do have a family. Yeah, your kids are crazy, but you got kids, or you got this opportunity, or you have loved ones. Some of y'all have a great church. I think you do if you're here. That's just me saying, we got some great people here. God is working, but we have a focus to look on the negative, to overlook the little things. Number four, sin whispers that if you want it, you need it. Sin whispers, if you want it, you need it. And you must do whatever you can do within your grasp to get it. See, our culture teaches that. If we have an urge, if our body says you need something, then we, we are entitled to it. I'm not a liar. I wouldn't lie to myself. I would be a liar. So if I want some, I got I to gotta go for it. I got to get it. I got to be true to myself. That's what culture teaches us. That's what society says. I'm being a liar if I don't go after it. Y'all, look, the lie of sin is that God doesn't know what's best for you. The lie of sin is that God is holding out. That your marriage is, that's okay. God has something better for you. He's just holding it away. No, no, no. It's all within reach. It's all within reach. Let's go to verse 10. Moses heard the people. Moses was the leader, the servant that God set up to say, hey, get these people to the promised land. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry. And Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people onto me? So all the kids are wailing, all the people. Now Moses is wailing. Every parent hits a point on the road trip. This is like the lo- world's longest, worst road trip, by the way. Okay. Moses' is daddy and even calm daddy starts to get upset he starts wailing too. The kids are screaming and parents are cool, but you hit a point, you just lose it, okay? Moses is starting to lose it. He says, 12, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people, right? Moses is like driving the car. He's like, I don't see a Wendy's. I don't see a Chick-fil-A. The kids are like, I'm hungry. He's like, I'm trying. I don't know what to do for you. I don't know what to do. They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, this is Moses talking to God. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. A little dramatic. (laughs) Go ahead and kill me if I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. He's saying this. He's saying, I can't do it. I'd rather die. Everyone in this room has faced something at some point in life where you've said, I can't do it by myself. It could be that cancer. It could be that job. It could be that deployment, that divorce, difficulty having children. I don't know what it is, but there's something in your life where you've, maybe you've expressed it to God. Maybe you've just had it in your heart where you thought, I can't do this alone. I'd rather be dead. I'd rather someone else do this. I I can't do this. I can't do this. Number five, sin whispers that you can do it all yourself. Sin whispers, you don't need a community. Sin whispers, you've got this. Moses is with thousands of people. Not for a second does he look around and say, who could help me with this? Who might be able to help me carry this burden? No, no, no. He doesn't do any of that. You know what he does? He says, I can't do it. I'd rather die. I want to tell you, don't get there. Don't get to that point. Don't get to that point. We have a podcast for you. You may know this. Every week, if you miss church, you can listen to the podcast. And when I see someone at the gym or at Starbucks, they come up to me, usually, especially if they weren't in church, it's not like I really noticed, but if they weren't there, people will come up and they'll be like, I wasn't at church, but I'm going to listen to the podcast. And I think that's great. I want you to stay connected, but I think that could misconstrue some things because the point of Sunday is not the podcast. I came to tell you, it's not about content. It's about community. That's why we're here. With all due respect. You could hear a much better sermon at any point from your phone. handsomer preacher, more funny, better points, all that at your phone, right? You really could, but you can't get this by yourself. You can't get this by yourself. The word in the Bible that means church, it means ecclesia, it means assembly. It means gathering. It means the people coming together because look what God says. It says, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials. Got it. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. So God says, look, find some leaders, bring them together. It's going to be leaders, me and you. We're going to have a conversation. I will come down. This is God speaking. I will come down and speak to you there and we'll take some of the power of the spirit that is on you, Moses, and I'm going to put it on them. We're going to spread the leadership around, spread the burden around. We're going to allow other people to carry this. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Turn your neighbor, say, it's going to take a community. It's going to take a community. Turn your other neighbor, the one you just ignored, the one you bypassed. Say, it takes more than one. It takes more than one. You see, sin whispers, you can do it all yourself. Sin whispers, you can do it all yourself. I came to tell you, this might sound depressing, but you can't. It's not good for us to be alone. We need a group. We need a team. We need a church. We need that. People tell me all the time, well, I don't have to be spiritual and go to church. I can be spiritual on my own. I love you, but with all due respect, I don't think that's in the Bible. I haven't seen that somewhere. Imagine me coming here by myself, sitting in the middle, and someone walks by and I say, what, what are you doing? And I say, having church. They say, well, what do you mean? And I say, well, church means assembly. I'm having an assembly. Just you? Yep. That doesn't work. You can't have an assembly with just one. You need people who are different from you, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different upbringings, some more mature in the faith, some less. We're all in this together, and God designed it that way. God absolutely designed it that way. Let's continue. 18. He says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves and prep for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we'd be better off in Egypt. So God says we're going to eat meat. Somebody say ding, ding. You ain't fist pumping. Somebody say ding, ding. All right, steak is on the menu. This is great. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. Cool. You will not eat it for just one day. Nice. Or two days or five or 10. What? or 20 days, but for a whole month. Ding, ding. Until it comes out of your nostrils. (laughs) I don't think I asked for that. And until you loathe it, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Another way to read verse 20 is this, you will loathe the meat because you have loathed me. God's saying, don't for a second miss this. It's a spiritual thing it's a spiritual thing. That desire in your heart that you say, oh, everything would be better if only I got that job. If only we have a good retirement. If only I get married. Don't mistake that as not a spiritual thing. It's deeply spiritual. We have put that in the place of God. We've put it as our highest good, our highest goal. Everything's taking aim at that. And God's saying right here, look, I'm going to give you what you want. You can go after it, but it might destroy you. You might fill up with it. It might destroy you because sin makes us addicts sin destroys us. It destroys us. The first funeral I ever did was someone who overdosed on heroin and his friends. Um, they put him in the car, took him to a firehouse and dumped him. They didn't ring the bell and say, Hey, our friend's sick. What do we do? They pulled up with their car, put him out and sped away. That's a great picture of what sin is. It destroys us physically, we get more and more and more until it destroys. It destroys our relationships. He was married. It destroyed his marriage. It destroyed his children. That is a great picture of what sin actually does to us spiritually. Actually, what it does to us spiritually. Verse 21. But Moses said, he said, okay, I'll feed them. But here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough flocks and herds if they were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Meaning, if I had a Costco and a Sam's Club here, I still couldn't feed them. What do you mean, give them meat? What am I supposed to do? The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Number seven, this is the last point. Sin lies and tells us that God really won't come through. Sin lies, it whispers to you and says, you always will be lonely. You always will be a loser. You will never measure up. You will never have a relationship with God. You will die miserable alone. You will never fulfill your purpose. That's what sin says. It says God ain't going to come through. He doesn't care. He's not there for you. I love this verse. 23, another way to say it, the Lord answered Moses is this, is the Lord's arm too short? (laughs) It's a weird phrase. We translate it as his power limited, but it literally says, is my arm too short? Can I not help you? In scripture, the idea of God having his outstretched arm It's symbolic of his action. It's easy for us to sit back and think, he's not really moving. He's not doing anything. He's sitting up on a throne somewhere, but he says, I have an outstretched arm. I am reaching to you, calling you, drawing you in, pointing to you, redeeming you. I am God who is living and who is active. He's saying, is my power limited? Is my salvation not enough? That's what I want to ask you today. When you face that obstacle that seems insurmountable, I want you to ask yourself that today. Am I limiting God's power? Am I saying, God, thanks, but your power is not good enough. You're not strong enough. Your arm isn't strong enough. My three-year-old has a pumpkin, and he was moving it, and he didn't want to drop it. And he grabbed it and said, Daddy, help me carry my pumpkin. You're stronger than me. And to me, it was nothing. I scooped it up, and I helped him carry it. That's what some of you need to start saying to your divine father. I've been carrying this burden alone for too long. I've been walking by myself for too long. I need some help. I need some strength to get where you're calling me to go. So many of us have been doing it so, so long by ourselves, and it's not working. It's not working. This is a recurring theme that God has an outstretched arm. Jeremiah 32, 17 says this. This is the prophet. He says, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Meaning this, God, you're working. Nothing's beyond the grasp of your arm. You are powerful. You are moving. You are working. You are doing it. But did you catch what Moses said earlier? Did you catch what he said? He said, I'd rather die than do this. I want to tap out. I'd rather do this than, than help them. Moses, our hero, the legend, our leader, he can't even help us. He can't even get us to the promised land. He wants out. And I came to tell you your career. Your retirement, your travel plans, those things you're banking on, that excursion, that marriage, whatever it is, your boyfriend, your spouse, your job, nothing can get you through. Nothing can save you. Moses did a lot, but not even Moses can help you. In order to deal with our sin, we need a greater than Moses. We need something beyond Moses to help carry our burdens, to help us get somewhere else. A greater than servant, a better leader. Remember what Moses said, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. You see, in order to deal with our sin, we need a greater than Moses, a better than Moses, a better leader, one who can carry our burden, one who can walk alongside us, one who can carry our sin and our shame, one who actually can usher us into the promised land. God loved you so much, he sent his only son into the world to do just that. Jesus Christ came into the world. He was the holy and only son of God. He lived this perfect life, and he died this perfect death. He died in our place, and he did everything Moses couldn't do. God sent us a leader who can carry our burden, can carry our sin, can carry our shame, and who literally did that. He didn't just say, I'm willing to die for you. He actually did it. He actually did it on a cross. He took all the burden of sin and shame upon himself, and he died for me and for you. And how did he do it? With great power and an outstretched arm. For hundreds of years, they heard God say, oh, I'm gonna save you with an outstretched arm. I'm gonna save you with an outstretched arm. And they probably meant, that's cool. He's a God who of action. He's a God who's reaching. But until Jesus was on the cross, they didn't grasp the full weight of, oh my God, God actually came here and literally saved me with an outstretched arm. Both of them outstretched on the cross, bearing our sin, bearing our shame, bearing our guilt. I came to tell you, he is strong enough to deal with death to deal with our past, to deal with our sin. He is strong enough to wipe away every tear. He is strong enough to give a billion second chances. He is strong enough to restore your hope, to rebuild your marriage, to repair your finances. He is God and he is good. And I came to tell you, nobody is past redemption. Somebody here is thinking maybe them, but not me. I came to tell you, God knows every single thing you've ever done, you've ever thought. He still loves you more. Nothing you could do could make him love you any more or any less. He loves you so much. And knowing that, he still came to die for you. Jesus Christ is our greater than Moses, who came to bear our sin, to put up with us, to carry us. He was willing even to go to the point of death for us. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I thank you for working in our lives. God, I thank you that you did actually save us for all to see. You saved us with your great power and your outstretched arm. You did that for us. God, help us always realize that. May sin not cloud our thinking. If we're unappreciative or if we're fearful or scared or worried, God, help us never forget actually what you did. Father God, we love you. God, we need you. I thank you for sending Jesus, the greater than Moses, our true leader, to walk us through the promised land into your kingdom. We love you, God, so much. We thank you for your presence. We ask all these things in your son's name. If anyone here in the sound of my voice, if you've never heard this message, if you didn't know actually that Jesus did come to die for you, and if you're out there thinking, man, all this chat on sin, that's me. That's my struggle. I have a weight that I can't bear. I'm listening to these lies. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, here and now, you have the ability to do so. Pray this prayer after me. Not, not out loud, silently in your heart. From yours to his, silently just pray. Say, Father God, I want to know you. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I repent from running my life. I turn back. I ask you to run it. Jesus, carry my sin, carry my shame, and give me a future beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Amen. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, AscentChurch.net. We hope to see you soon.